Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, we are talking about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., media, activism, and related topics with Jared A. Ball, who is a professor of communication and Africana studies at Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland, and the author of the Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. Ball is also host of the podcast, I Mix What I Like, co-founder of Black Power Media, which can be found at blackpowermedia.org, and his decades of journalism, media, writing, and political work can be found at imixwhatilike.org. Jared Ball, welcome to Talk World Radio. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday it seems like such an incredibly strange thing if you're familiar with any of the work of the government that made it a holiday. Uh, but <laughs> it seems to make sense to people because they have some very strange idea of who Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was, don't they? Yeah, there's been a, a, a tremendous amount of work put into rebranding him as somebody who would who would have been acceptable to the state that had, uh, depending on who you listen to, everything to do with uh, both his treatment while he was alive, his assassination, the rebranding of him post his death, and uh, the 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 continuation of all the things against which he struggled: militarism, racism, uh, and capitalism. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fascinating and sometimes frustrating situation to find ourselves in if we really want to access and discuss the real king. So, so who's sure. the who's the non-real king? Who is Dr. King? If you haven't read a lot of books and you're just a consumer of U.S. newspapers and magazines and television shows and holiday celebrations, what what is the rebranding of him? Well, the king that we're encouraged to see is one who was sort of a um, a politically soft, per se, uh, integrationist, hold your hands and, and sing Kumbaya and pray, or worse, someone who cheated on his dissertation or his wife and, um, you know, was, was you know, a, a popular and important figure, but limited in that way and, and someone who could be promoted to us via McDonald's commercials or national monuments and, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the symbolism of the state per se. Um, but the king that, that was, uh, and he was very clear uh, in his time, was someone who was, again, a, a vociferous critic of capitalism. His biggest struggle with Marxism was, was its uh, apparent atheism, but not its critique of capitalism. He was, uh, an, uh, you know, a pan-Africanist, and uh, a, a world majorities people, um, solid solidarist. He was. He saw the black struggle here in the United States as part and parcel of the global anti-colonial, anti-imperial struggles, um, and he he sought to expand uh, and become a more aggressive opponent of what this country was doing and is doing. So he wanted, you know, people often quote him as being nonviolent, but leave out the direct action part of his self-definition, nonviolent direct action, uh, which I think has itself been rebranded into hashtags and T-shirts and, uh, you know, or events as opposed to sustained political radical movement that he was advocating. And he was increasingly discussed in that way and as a threat and as an enemy of the state in the popular press and the commercial media uh, for the last few years of his life. So those years are 
are removed and the very people, whether it's Meet the Press or whether it's Time or Newsweek or the New York Times or the Washington Post, all of these entities in the last few years of his life demeaned him are literally today, as you and I are talking, rebranding him and re-promoting him as somebody who was a hero, uh, but in that very limited form. And, and, and suggest making us suppose that they actually liked him and supported him at the time. That's right. And, That's and, right. And, and and we also it seems he only the only topic he had any interest in at all was racism and not even racism, but some sort of magical post racism without struggle. Uh, but nothing about the economy, nothing about international uh, uh, topics, nothing about war or peace. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, King, you know, uh, again, the king that was alive was saying the bombs you drop on Vietnam explode at home because the the, the, the resources that could be used to, to cure society here are being used to destroy brown and poor people around the world. Uh, he was very clear that that if if black people here were to be free, the continent of Africa would have to be free from imperialism. Latin America would have to be free, have to be free from imperialism. The white working class would have to be free from its labor exploitation and capitalist economy. He was very clear about all of this. And he 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 had he had fights, you know, even in, in, in a new book I'm reading now, Prophet of Discontent. Um, he's, he's described in an early, in a, in a, in a meeting, you know, uh, in the summer of 1966 with, with the now former mayor of, of Atlanta and, and JP Morgan, uh, ally, Andy Young, he, Andy Young is telling him, King, slow down. You're being too crit critical of the system and of the, the, the state and of the, the, whatever. And King snaps at him and says, Andy, I don't want to hear from you anymore. You're a capitalist. I'm not end quote. Yeah. That's so. So that was the king that was alive, uh, and, and as they also do a great job in this book, by the way, of, of discussing King was was uh, struggling with bringing in spiritual Marxism, you know, which I think was fascinating and something I'm I'm still learning about his his work. That there were, that there is a wing of Marxist thought that says we shouldn't be so quick to get rid of spirituality, and that says that if in fact Marx was right and culture is a product of the means of production itself, then if we live in a, in a society where the means of production are not based on exploitation and abuse of the planet, maybe a new form of spiritualism would emerge that Marx and Marxists wouldn't have a problem with, per se, where it wouldn't be the opiate of the masses, so to speak, but a, a, an engine of revolution. And right. to an atheist and a materialist like myself, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'm an atheist, but I don't think you have to be an atheist to oppose that's right. exploitation. You just oppose economic exploitation. But uh, there you go. The, 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 funny, <laughs> the funny thing is, though, you know, the, the media that makes you think that they liked Dr. King at the time, just like Santa Claus and George Washington and everything that's unquestionably likable uh, and actually were very much against him at the time. Nonetheless, I think the media has gotten so much worse today and so much better at shutting things out rather than attacking them that Dr. King was on talk shows. He was quoted in the media. Mm -hmm. He was not completely shut out the way that I think he might be more so uh, today if he was doing the same thing. Do you think? Oh, you that's agree? a great point. No, I agree. And in fact, I, I, I probably even agree with, with what Daruba bin Wahad said once of Malcolm X, that were he alive today, he would be a political prisoner and not being touted as a hero. I, I tend to think of King in that same way that that uh, uh, you're right. Uh, we, we 
particularly those younger than uh, I and maybe you are, are as well, um, they might not be aware that there was once upon a time a media environment, even a commercial media mainstream environment in the society that had a broader range of discussion than we get today. I mean, you had, even if they were there to be debated, I mean, you would have Kwame Ture on TV. I mean, Brian Lamb said he started C-SPAN specifically to give people like Kwame Ture more room after seeing that he had been done wrong in the way the media was was narrowing his his statements uh, um, in the press. So, so you know, you would see Huey Newton. You would see, anyway, you would see these folks, Angela Davis. You would see them, but people, now today's Angela Davis didn't have those same politics, so you might see her from time to time, But but the politics of that day aren't ever, I think, included in the mainstream or the commercial press, even when it's necessary, as was done to King at the end of his life, to demean him, that that he was big enough that he had to be included, even if it was to point out his increasing, you know, uh, affinity for for Lenin, Leninism, as the Washington Post said, uh, within 90 days of his assassination. Um, but but, uh, you know, today we would never uh, or or rarely, I guess it would be more appropriate to say, rarely would we see someone who would who would who would associate the abuses of poor people here with a war military military complex overseas. We wouldn't see people advocating, as King did, the taking over of slums by activists and redirecting rent payments, not to the slum lords, but to fixing up those communities. That kind of, to me, that's like the most gangster thing an activist could do, you know, take over a, 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 a poor community and say, nobody's paying rent. Nobody's paying rent anymore. Right. We're going to take all that rent and we're going to fix up the community and dare people to come in here and say what we're doing is wrong. Like that's, that's, yeah. you know, anyway, so that kind of thing would not be ex accepted today for sure. No question. And and this was a big focus toward the end for Dr. King and the poor people. When we organized to occupy Freedom Plaza in DC in 2011, we were trying to echo the poor people's campaign uh, towards right. the end of Dr. King's life, occupy space and 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 shut things down until uh, there are no more poor people. I mean, this was this was his agenda, right? That you never hear. Of. So let me ask you, David, having that experience, what was the media's response? How would you characterize in a sum summary the media's response to that effort? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. He, the, their, their number one uh, trick is to ignore and shut out and white out and black out and keep it out. Uh, and and the reason they couldn't do that uh, was because uh, us in the thing we started in D.C., which was independent of Occupy and then became part of Occupy, was just completely overshadowed by the media coming out of New York and the stupidity. I mean, th this is when Dr. King went to Selma because he thought there would be stupid cops, right? You couldn't have found stupid cops, uh, stupider cops on earth than 2011 New York City, where where the mm. police attacked people. They attacked people on Brooklyn Bridge. They attacked people in Wall Street. They made up, the police made it a story. And then the network news outlets in New York City made it a story. And then they had to cover it in D.C. and everywhere else, and it just exploded around, you know, Occupy encampments everywhere because of the media. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, it, it it dragged on to the point 
where there were still Occupy encampments still doing the same thing they'd been doing for months. Uh, but the media was gone uh, and people were telling, talking to each other as if they weren't real, as if they weren't really doing mm. it because television is so much more real than reality. Uh, and, and so mm. once they were forced to cover it by what happened in New York, well, then it was all about what is your one demand? What is the one single sentence that will solve all world problems? They say we're just furious at us for talking about racism and economics and militarism and exploitation. They didn't want to hear this laundry list. Like, you know, they would have taken the Declaration of Independence and, you know, limited <laughs> it to the first sentence, right? King George can only have done one thing wrong. What's the matter with you people? You know, they wanted that one thing and they wouldn't shut up about it mm. and we wouldn't give it to them. Because uh, because we had you know eighty five interlocking complaints, uh, and and yet you know it had some it had some impact. It, it shouldn't have ended. Yeah, no, I was just trying to. Yeah, absolutely. It just seemed you know without having the 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 data in front of me right now, it seems as I look back on it that there was a lot of negative media attention brought to to not to say let's listen and 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 hear out the concerns and maybe do something about it, it was to say. Oh, they don't have any organization. They don't know what they're doing. They're just party. They're lunatics. They're communists. They're taken over by Russia. Whatever was being said, you know, it's the, it's, it's, it seemed like a similar kind of response to what, what King, uh, was getting in, in his time and would likely have been getting were he alive today doing that same kind of work. There would not have been this, oh, let's, let's hear the, the exalted leader and his, his thoughts on the world, it would be, no, look, as they were saying, look at this buffoon, look at this silly guy, look at him. He's gone too far. He's overextended his, his worthiness. Um, and we need, you know, a more responsible leadership to listen to. Yeah. And, and we're speaking with Jared Ball, uh, and you can find out more about him at imixwhatilike.org. Uh, Jared, it seems that Dr. King had a comprehensive critique where he said, we have to take on material, extreme materialism, militarism and racism together if we're going to stop any of them. Uh, and it's very hard uh, to say that. Even in activist circles, it's hard to say that sometimes today. Well, yeah. And even where there, I mean, obviously there are, there, there's a great amount of, uh, I mean, all of the claims around race, gender, sexuality uh, um, that are being uh, raised to new levels today are, are legit. Uh, but there is a certain encouragement in our mainstream press and elsewhere to have that be the sole focus of the complaint. And that if you extend that criticism or, or dare say that a lot of those concerns uh, emanate from the economic system, then the, the media coverage changes or disappears or the, the, the funding dries up, et cetera. Uh, and that was something that King was, was presenting and, and made himself a problem with. Uh, by constantly connecting the condition of black people to something beyond and bigger than that was that which was just happening to black people or that was a, or that could be solved just by black people changing their behavior, per se. That is, as we're often told today, if you just have greater de degree of financial literacy or if you go to college or if you vote for Biden or whatever we're being told today, that's what you need to do as opposed to a sort of multi-pronged, uh, um, uh, sophisticated assault on a, on a broader system that King was advocating. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's the, the challenges remain, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and, and when he finally was uh, persuaded to to take on the war on Vietnam, 
There was a lot of people who'd been holding him off on that and were against it, and not just the New York Times, right? A lot of people. No. No, that's what I was saying. I mean, the mainstream civil rights establishment turned on him. Uh, you know, they they were saying they were the ones uh, who were uh, in part leading the call for him to stay quiet on Vietnam, to stay quiet on capitalism, to stay quiet on connecting our struggles elsewhere, which he had actually been doing since the 50s. I mean, there's you know, he had been evolving a critique of capitalism and and of. Uh, and, and, and of a, a sort of a narrow look at the black struggle here, uh, wanting to internationalize it for a long time, actually. But by the time he had reached this level of prominence, certainly those around him were saying, please don't share that. <laughs> please, Martin, <laughs> don't do that. We in literally telling him you will hurt our legislative efforts here if you keep talking about Vietnam, if you keep talking about all this other stuff. Um, uh, and that's why, again, if you look at the trajectory of those who would have been his heirs, who were claiming to be his heirs politically, whatever you may think of them, then if you don't have my polit particular political bias, that's fine. But you would have to at least acknowledge that the trajectory of John Lewis and Andy Young and Jesse Jackson, et cetera, has been ex exceedingly <laughs> different, <laughs> a wild departure from where King was going. Now, you could say King was wrong, but you just can't say that they were on the same path. Now, I think the greatest honor that Dr. King uh, received, he received posthumously, and that was to have mm. President Barack Obama in a Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech <laughs> denounce Dr. King for having opposed war. I, I mean, I don't think you could get a, a higher compliment. And, and, and I, I have a theory. I, I think, you know, they had given Dr. King the Peace Prize before he turned against the war on Vietnam. They say, we'll give... We'll give President Obama a peace prize before he does anything, and he'll turn against war after the fact. You know, we gave it to this other black guy in the U.S., and he turned against war. We'll give it to Obama because he's the most popular man on earth, going to bring in lots of corporate funding. This, you know, we know that they discussed this stuff. But don't you think they imagined he would sort of do something or other to earn it? Instead, he shows up and says that Gandhi and King were wrong. Well, well, we don't have to we don't have to speculate on that because I, and I don't have it in front of me. I wasn't ready for this particular question, but anyone can look it up. If you may, you may remember it, uh, the the head of the committee that gave Obama the prize said that right, right in an open press conference. We are giving him this award in the hopes that he will earn it. So because I remember at the time and I continue to make this joke as a, as a classroom, as a university professor, I used to say when that happened, I went to all four of the classes I taught that week and said to each of them, did you hear that? That would be like me on the first day of the semester saying everyone in here gets an A. I've already logged it. I've already put it in the grade book. It's, exactly. it's set in stone. And now I'm hoping <laughs> over the course of the next 16 weeks that you will do what you should have done to earn it. Like it, the, 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 the ill logic is is clear, but he was at least hoping. And maybe to your point, maybe it was less illogical than I thought. Maybe to your point, I, you know, there was some, you know, he he really thought that this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But 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 he did say we hope that he will he will earn it, and we're going to give it to him now. And of course, yeah. as you said, with starting with his speech, followed by his policy. Obama had nothing, wanted nothing to do with the real king, wanted nothing to do with peace, you know, and, or, and or you redistribution or, I or anything. A million people could have told them that it wasn't going to work and that Obama was, we not, did. was not Dr. King, right? So I remember you did. Uh, to a lesser extent, I did. 
you know, th- there were those of us who were saying it. And I, you know, in my most more petty moments, I do try to remind people, look, I told you so. But the reality is that a lot of us who were making that argument then were, I mean, to, in, in, in a similar way today are being, we're being overrun by the massive messaging, the propaganda, the rebranding and, and so on. So, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, that's the struggle that we find ourselves in, but sure. We were telling them, yeah, this is not going to work. <laughs> well, we, so Jared Ball, we should talk about, uh, the topic of some of your videos and your, and your book, uh, is, is by black, an answer and is it an answer is it a solution to our problems that dr king would have promoted well no and this is actually a big problem for me personally it's a, it's a pet peeve for sure but but uh the reality is that part of this rebranding of king is has involved a lot in the black press uh a lot in the black press to adopt this mythology that has been intentionally promoted for for decades that black people can use a black capitalist approach an entrepreneurial approach to solving the collective what I think are political problems. Uh, so, so a lot of more prominent names, unfortunately, have have done this, and they've said, "Hey, Dr. King supported by black," and in fact, he specifically says he did not. And where do we go from here, chaos or community? He specifically says buying that black black led efforts to buy black and bank black, all of those things, black entrepreneurs will not work. There needs to be federal policy involved in redistributing the wealth. So, so they're literally not only mis in in sort of some some sort of mistaken, uh, uh you know, just some simple mistake. There is a there is an a sort of an aggressive, willful denial of the real Dr. King to rebrand uh, today this notion that uh, uh, you know black or anyone else's unequal conditions can be solved by a sort of financial literacy, a saving, a banking, uh, uh, and in some cases with my new pet peeve around cryptocurrency, that new currency and the new technology, the blockchain is gonna save us all. It's, it's, and what King was saying was, no, we need political solutions to political problems. We need political power. That's what will solve uh, the, these issues. So King was very clear on that. It's unfortunate that his messaging has been made less clear and direct access to his reading has been uh, obscured, I think, by a lot of the popular messaging as well. People just need to go read his work. It's easily available or check out his videos on YouTube. There's so much stuff out there where he's clearly not. <laughs> so that's anyway, that's part of. That's part of what I'm arguing that with the buying power argument that we have been encouraged to believe a rebranded form of black capitalism will save us. And that's mythology at its best. Not going to do it. Uh, the, the other thing that I think we're all told endlessly will save us is voting. Just sit yeah. down and shut up for 364 days and vote. And that's the most you can do. And it'll solve everything. And, and it doesn't seem like the civil rights movement voted in the right to vote. Seems like they did something. It doesn't seem like women voted themselves the right to vote. They had to do something mm. else to get it right. It, where, where's that? Well, look, it, my godfather, who was heavily involved in the movement, Tom Porter, who was on the Edmund Pettus Bridge that day, his line is always, if, 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 if everybody who was there, if everybody who claims to have been there that day was actually there, the bridge would have collapsed. And part of his point is, is that people have mythologized what that struggle was about, including this line that, that our ancestors died for us to have the right to vote. So therefore we have to vote for whoever the Democratic Party or whoever the establishment tells us to vote for. That's not what they were doing. They were struggling for power. The idea was that the vote would lead to power. If the vote is not leading us to power, and I think currently arranged, it's clearly it has not, then 
then something else has to be done. And that was always the point of those who were there. That was always the point of Dr. King. That was why he said he didn't want to run on the Democratic Party ticket when asked. I'm trying to think with, with, with uh, Spock, the, the, the famous doctor at the time, his part of his, you know, he wanted to organize people so that, that whatever politician was raised up by the people would be largely irrelevant because they would be there to represent that set of ideas and programmatic platforms. This idea that we need a charismatic politician to save us is part of the mythology. We need movements, as Malcolm X and others argued in terms of how we engage the electoral system, movements that produce the candidates and the platforms and the policies that they are then to go and, and take on with them. That's how I've always understood it. And that's what, what I think is pretty clear in Dr. King's messaging and why he's rebranded so often so that we're brought back in. And even his, even today, uh, his, his uh, Martin Luther King III is promoting that nobody celebrate Dr. King's holiday until we get the Voting Rights Act restored. That is such a small portion, a simplified, reduced, watered down version of what Dr. King was advocating. That, so, so, so my point is that even his own family, his own children, participate in I think the the watering down and rebranding of his of his of his politics to the point where they aren't as helpful as they could be in reminding us who he actually was um and, anyway and I, and I'm pretty sure they're not saying to to fill the streets or to stop paying rent or to no. take any particular nonviolent direct action they're just saying this is no. what we want right that's it. That's it. And they're just making a, a sort of press release demand that is disassociated from any organized movement or effort, for sure. Well, in a, in a time when uh, the Democratic Party has the majority in both houses and the White House uh, and has broken dozens of promises and is telling us it's all the fault of the Republicans, the filibuster and a senator from West, from West Virginia and a senator from Arizona. Right. Do you think Dr. King would tell us uh, how tell us to focus on who to vote for two years later and four years later? Or or would he be advocating something a little more urgent? So the, first of all, I, with these kinds of questions, I always have to to give that the, the caveat that Can't the only reason we're in this position. <laughs> well, no, not just that. That is a good one, too. But 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 my favorite caveat is that 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 we're only in this position because King is not here in the first place, that if that these political assassinations and the, the continued political imprisonment of people like Sundiata Akoli and Matulu Shakur and, and, and Leonard Peltier and Mumia Abu-Jamal, these people, the, the continued assault on them and the posthumous assault on people like Dr. King is is to prevent us from getting the political maturity or arriving at a political maturity that we should have long ago been at where we wouldn't even be, I think, in this position that or the position would be wildly different. So but if, but the short answer, of course, is no, uh, Dr. King would not be saying we need to wait till the next midterm or the next, or we have to hope and just vote for the lesser of two evils. And, and the, I mean, his whole approach to religion and, and, and anti-capitalism and radical politics would not have allowed his version of spirituality. I think it's pretty clear. He's saying his, his, his reading of the scriptures was not to be patient. It was to encourage people to a more immediate direct assault on the problems of our society. So I just, there's, there's just nothing in the data or the history that suggests he would be saying today, you know, um, 
we'll put pressure on him at the next election or let's let's just go ahead and vote for the lesser of evils. And, you know, we just have to stop the fascism of Trump and ignore the wild similarities to Biden's administration. <laughs> I mean, we, he I just don't it's just not consistent with the with the record. So if people want to argue that that's what he would be saying, I think that they have to do a lot more of the the research and the argument, you know, arranging the argument to to, to lay that out uh, and show how he would have gone from where we have the record to something quite in um, contradiction to his uh, on the record position. So very, very well said. Everybody go actually read and and listen to Dr. Martin Luther King in his own words and read Jared A. Ball, whom we've been speaking with. His, he's the author of The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. And you can find his work at imixwhatilike.org. Jared Ball, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk World Radio. Anytime. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. This is Talk World Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talkworldradio.org. Talk World Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way.